everyone. As always, I am Darren Carp, Daddy Cat, here on the mic with oh. my boy. Oh, 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 J Bone, oh, oh, oh. oh. J Money, oh, oh, oh. T Bone, <laughs> but also J T Bone. Something um, it, like it all, that. It all works, you know. It all, it works, all works, John. Like it, you just yeah. have to see it to believe it. In 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 a lot of ways, you know. And like That's just trust everything. me. Yeah. I got yeah, the I intro just, I on this. You. I got I the intro you. on this. How you doing, Johnny boy? I'm doing great. I um, I'm just getting over a cold, and so my voice is extremely deep and ready to talk in a much lower baritone. You know, and I kind of like it yeah. for the podcast, if nothing else. You know, it's like the one perk about getting a little sinusy and sick is because, by the way, I haven't talked about that in a sexy. while, but. Yeah, I'm constantly, I, this winter has been ridiculous, um, is that, yeah, I get to come on here and talk really uh, sensually for all you ladies and gentlemen out there. Anyway. We're losing listeners as you speak. Yeah, everyone's and, unsub- uh, unsubscribing. Listen, I want to <laughs> get to the case, but first, I just wanted to thank everyone who came to our Patreon live stream last Thursday. It was our first one of the year. We kicked off 2023, right? We played some new games. We learned some new facts. We got to update everyone with our new Patreon tiers. So That's make sure right. you guys check that out. I'm assuming we'll put them in the show notes uh, yep. as well, John, so everyone's yeah. going to know. But we will be recapping our Patreon live stream on our next NMR. So just keep that That's in right. mind. Yeah, we'll just give fill you guys in on all that stuff next time. But um, Darren, let's get let's jump right into this week's episode because it's a really sure. interesting one, and I have a feeling you're going to have a lot of thoughts. We have to we have to budget some do. time for your thoughts. Exactly. On June thirtieth, two thousand three, in Dalkeith, Scotland, fourteen year old Jody Jones left her home to go visit her boyfriend. She set out on a path near her house known as Woodland Dyke Path. Up. Oh. Up. Oh. Here we go. Yep. Connection to there the case we, right off the is. top. Jeez Louise. Jeez Dyke, Louise. DIYK. There it is. At Woodland <laughs> Dyke Path, which walked through a patch of woods opening up near her boyfriend's house. Now, Jody we never made so it. We are so inappropriate. Her. Sorry. I know. Jody never <laughs> made it to her destination that evening. Mm. Her body was found eight hours later by a search group consisting of her friends, family, and neighbors. And among the search group was her 14 year old boyfriend, Luke Mitchell. Man, dude, they're so young, just 14. Yeah, this, like, I remember is... that. My my God, I was in camp still. Oh, my God. Camp? Jeez, that's super young. Yeah. Well, while searching the path, I mean, I started going to sleepaway camp when I was like seven or eight. This is a whole thing. Like, so many people I know from your area of the country, for lack of a better term, go to sleepaway camp. Jews do this. Like, I was having this conversation. Like, Nadine, like, could not hear about it. And my mom was like, have you ever (laughs) known a Jewish family? Like, they just send their kids to sleepaway camp. Like, my dad went to sleepaway camp from the time he was, like, four for eight weeks. They just send their kids off. Like, sleepaway camp is just, like, such a popular thing. Crazy. I mean, anyway. I've always wanted to do something like that. And then I was in band and I was like, am I going to go to band camp? And like, no, we didn't. But um, yeah, I know. I'm a loser. Darren's giving me an L right now. Um, yeah, on the, well, on I wasn't going to say it. I was just going to show it to you. Darren, but... I can pull, I can delete your whole track from the show and turn this into the John Thrasher <laughs> podcast. This is a Patreon like. perk, bitch. <laughs> the videos. Anyway. That's true. Yeah, keep going. Well, while searching the path with Jody's sister and his dog, Luke discovered the butchered remains of Jody. I can't imagine seeing this at 14. Ugh. Or at any age, mind you. Yeah. But she had been stabbed numerous times and had slashes along her mouth and eyes. This gruesome discovery would spark the beginning of one of Scotland's most publicized and controversial investigations of all time. Mm. Okay. 
Let's take it back a little bit because Luke Mitchell was born on July 24th, 1988. So he is literally two months younger than me. Oh my God. Yep. He attended school at St. David's Roman Catholic High School where he met Jody and the young couple had been dating for about four months and had a lot in common as far as high school goers, goers, high school goers, goers go, go. (laughs) Uh, high schoolers go, (laughs) high schoolers go, both dress goth and enjoyed rock and metal music. I think I've told you before that like one of my biggest fears when I was in camp, like one year for some reason was like rooming with someone who was goth. I was like genuinely terrified of goth, which is funny because like, I feel like my soul is goth right now. Like, I dress in all black all the time. I appreciate (laughs) heavy metal and rock music. But Uh I I, I imagine when you're at a Roman Catholic high school, being goth is like being so alt and so shocking and alternative. It's like a rebellion in and of itself. Not that it wouldn't be at any other school, but specifically Roman Catholic school feels very shocking. And specifically, it might even, uh, you know, allude to maybe some, uh, what, like, satanic influence, you know. Always. I remember when we Always. when we were in. They worship um, Satan. Yeah, like, like an Megan. elementary middle. Like Megan, literally. Like Megan. Megan. Um, mm-hmm. We think is into that. Um, yeah, like, it's just, I remember when I was young, it just felt like if you weren't listening to, like, Christian music, you were of the, of the devil. Like, MTV was the devil back in the day. I like anyway. can't imagine listening to Christian music though. Like I just yeah. like can't. Yeah. By the way, yeah. the sleepaway camp where you were scared of a goth was it called Camp Crystal Lake by any chance? It was not. Okay, just checking. Not. You seem scared at a camp, and I just wanted to make sure Jason Voorhees had nothing to do with it. But anyway, no, it was not. Yeah, good call though. All right. Well, let's get back to this very unsettling story here. So, on the evening of Jody's death, Luke told police that he had received a text from Jody saying that she was coming over, and as he awaited for her arrival, Luke began cooking dinner. Luke's mother, Corinne, said she came home from work at approximately five fifteen p.m. and said she found her son in the kitchen cooking. Luke's brother Shane was also home that evening. However, he gave police two different accounts of what occurred that evening. In Shane's first statement to police, he claimed to have spent the evening at home alone. He later stated he was alone in his bedroom on the computer all night, but when he left his room, he saw his mom and brother were both at home too. Now, after hours of not seeing or hearing from Jody, the search party set out on the pa- on the path she would have taken to get to the Mitchell home. At the head of the group was Luke with the family dog and his, and Jody's sister, Janine. And as the group passed by an opening in the wall that lined the path, Luke's dog went over and alerted that there might be something behind the wall. Now, mm. hard to kind of really describe exactly what kind of wall we're, we're talking about here, but nonetheless, a canine seems to have alerted that there might be something going on. So Luke climbed up to peer over And that's where he discovered uh, Jody. So following the discovery, police took a special interest in Luke in particular. He was taken to one police station while everybody else in the group was taken to another. In fact, he was stripped, searched, and had his nails scraped for any potential evidence while the rest of the group were only asked to give verbal statements. Now, I understand this is a different country, but I do wonder parental, not that you have to have like parental consent maybe, but like shouldn't there... be a guardian present. Like, you would think, but a little... 
You would think, but I feel like so many of these international type of episodes that we've done, like I, yeah, I feel like you and I have both found ourselves in like, is that a human rights file? Is that a citizen's rights violation? I don't know. We're not scholars on on England and stuff. Anyway, it's worth noting that no blood was found on Luke, either on his clothing or under his nails. A small amount of Jody's DNA was found on his genes, but of course, given that the two were in, a intimate relation, in an intimate relationship, it was hardly evidence against him. This oh, is, I always bring this up, Darren, like, you know, I stayed at your apartment for a few weeks in New York in September, and, you know, should something... There could still be your DNA here. Yeah, you know, I'm sure not, a hair but... of mine is definitely, like, somewhere, you know, in your house, as disturbing as that is, I'm sure, for you. They talked about that a lot, actually, in the Amanda Knox doc that came out a few years ago. Right, about, I remember like, that. You know, people being having DNA in their house. So yeah. yeah, it's not. It doesn't prove anything. Totally. Well, and also it should be worth noting that he had no scratches, bruises, bruises, <laughs> bruises, bruises, or wounds to indicate uh, that he had been in any kind of violent interaction, and that's usually a, a really important. Uh, detail in any murder case because if you're the main suspect and you know everyone else is giving verbal statements and they're collecting your DNA you know that kind of information about your body and what's going on defensively is really important to any anything in that way totally well Jody's body was found with substantial defensive wounds implying she put up quite a fight and making it unlikely that her attacker had walked away unscathed without Mm -hmm. any sort of at least DNA under fingernails or anything like that now despite the lack of physical evidence police continue the investigation with Luke as their prime suspect there had been several hours in between the killing itself and the time when Jody's body was found which theoretically could have given Luke ample time to change clothes and dispose Mm -hmm. of evidence But several days after the murder, police received an intriguing call from one of the uh, Mitchell's uh, family's neighbors. Now, a neighbor called and reported an odd smell coming from the family home. Oh, boy. They said it smelled as if it was something being burned. Now, with July being one of the warmest months of the year in Scotland, of course, it seemed unlikely that they would need to burn anything for heat. It also... Anything is going to, like, spoil really quickly and just probably smell, you know, any food in the trash can in the summer is going to be crazy. Now, this caught the attention of police who began to theorize that this was proof that Luke had burned the bloodstained clothing he was wearing when he murdered Jody. Unclear how... Why would a smell indicate that he burned clothing? Because clothing probably would not smell when you burned it. Another potential break in the case came when another neighbor called and claimed that around the time of Jody's death, she witnessed a young woman and man standing at the opening of Woodland Dyke Path. Now, she described the man as appearing to be in his early 20s with long, messy hair. The girl had had her back turned towards her, so she was unable to give a description. Police believe this may have been Jody and Luke meeting in their usual spot on the path, And when given a stack of photographs of potential suspects, she identified Luke as most similar to the man she witnessed on the path. Which, again, photo lineups, if her back is turned to someone Mm. and you can't automatically determine, you know, and who knows the type of questioning that she was received when you're like, hey, have you seen Luke, 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 Luke? You're going (laughs) to automatically be primed to pick that guy. So I'm not saying he's innocent. I'm just saying that this is not necessarily great police work either. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Like, the police work here is feeling a bit dodgy, if you know what I'm saying. And the fact that they're kind of saying that a smell equals anything. Have you? Has anyone ever, Darren, I know you have, and you can talk about this. 
Have you ever walked down the a New York City street in the middle of July or August? Yes, I've lived it here smells, for 12 years. It so yes. smells like death is my point, usually, at least in parts of Manhattan. And the subways, Lord. Oh, don't go to the subways, child. So that's, yeah. it's just, I find, this came up in the Casey Anthony documentary too, actually, like the way the, the trunk smelled like XYZ. They... They compressed the air into a capsule. Whatever that, like, right, right, whatever that what? means. Like, okay. Like, Guys, okay. smell, we're not smelling. I mean, listen, if you're a right. dog, right? Dogs are trained smell to smell that Don't smell your garbage either. Like, I, I mean, I don't right. know what to tell you. You throw it an apple core and that thing's going to smell for months. Yeah. Oh, you're reminding me gar my garbage goes out tonight. But anyway, we should keep going here. Police took um, all of this as positive identification, although criticism has been cast on this method, of course, in recent years. Many argue that a more effective method would have been to only select people who fit the description and to show Sus the suspects in person. Yes. Of course probably. it would. Yeah. Out of the people shown, Luke was the only one with long hair, making it seem that police would have been intentionally trying to trick the witness into selecting him. Especially when one of the only descriptions is that he has long hair. If you're not right. putting other long haired people up against him to rule out him, then like what's and also, this feels like, intentional. That's the if problem. If I'm standing I'm behind, like depending on how my hair is, like I could look yeah. like a dude. Like I just like don't understand. Like dude looks, what lady looks like the, a dude. Dude looks like a lady. lady. Yeah. Ow. Yeah. Ow. yeah. Okay. Anyway, back to the woodland dike uh, thing here. No, we so were, I was speaking. You were the yeah. That's right. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Back anyway, to the case. <laughs> right. At the time of the investigation, however, this eyewitness was crucial to the case. The investigative team um, had now built circum a circumstantial case around Luke. And on April 14th, 2004, nearly 10 months after the murder of Jody Jones, he was arrested. You know, I think he's, what, 15-ish or something at this point? Like, very yeah. weird. Over those 10 months, a massive media frenzy ensued, which analyzed every aspect of Luke's life. This included his choice in clothing, his taste in music, as well as his supposed obsession with the rock musician Marilyn Manson. And by the way, people now do this on social media every day. Not only that, I yes, that's so true. And I was just going to reference Marilyn Manson specifically when I was telling you about middle school and um, high school music because he Marilyn Manson was a very popular artist at that time. He was dominating MTV. He was all over oh, the God, award yeah. shows. And, like, if you listen to Marilyn Manson, well, you must have something wrong with you. So the fact that that was part of this case is hilarious. Yeah. Um, of course, we all know, or some of us may know, Marilyn Manson's music is full of controversial lyrics revolving around violence, sex, the occult, everything you can think of. Manson, along with his music, is also known for his distinct fascination with the infamous Black Dahlia murder, Darren, which we know yeah. you love as well. Yeah. Um, which he has alluded to in paintings, actually, numerous times. Um, so police saw this basically as a clear connection to the Jody Jones case and theorized, and theorized that Luke was obsessed with Manson and by default, the Black Dahlia. Now, if their logic holds, Darren, you too could be charged yeah. with murder. Or anyone <laughs> interested in this podcast. Right. Or in anyone this podcast. listening to any true crime at any given time. Right, right. Exactly. It was further speculated that Jody's murder was an attempt uh, at a recreation, basically, of this very infamous unsolved case. So, okay. But again, it's all very circumstantial. It's like trying to tell a story that's not giving a lot of evidence. It'd be one thing if he had, like, tons of paperwork and 
and newspaper clippings of the Black Dahlia murder. Or, DNA, or DNA on his fucking body at right. all, too. What might help. He's also 14. Like, you'd think maybe the well, parents right. might be aware of his odd behavior in some sort of yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. Well, the media painted Luke's interest in Manson and this type of music as a sure sign that he was deeply disturbed and capable of murder. Logic that we know today is obviously very flawed and biased. Um, it's also worth noting that during the police search of Luke's room, the only items that were found relating to Manson was a single CD which had been purchased after the murder and an old calendar that had been thrown away. So it's not even like he was actually that obsessed with him. I think and that like they were just... like an old calendar? Like, yeah. Like what? Like, yeah. I don't keep the calendar from 1998. Right. It's all very sus. Relates. Very sus. Well, on the day of Jody's funeral, in an attempt to prove his innocence, Luke and his mother went on national TV to plead with the nation. This was against the specific wishes of Jody's family, which came across to many as heartless and distasteful. However, I could also see if I was innocent, and I'm not saying he is, but if he was innocent, I would want to plead my case as well, because everyone's painting me to be some sort of, like, terrorist at 14 that I'm just not. And by the time his trial began, the media had already thoroughly painted Luke Mitchell as guilty, which he never had a chance if that's going to be the case. And while the media's interpretation of Luke's taste in music may have been questionable, the the police still had a strong, albeit circumstantial, case against him. Sometimes it isn't what you find that causes suspicion, but rather what you can't find. Right, exactly. Unfortunately, is the case. Now, for example, Luke was described by several friends as always wearing a distinct green parka jacket. It was his favorite jacket he wore it almost every time he left the house. Upon searching his room in the home, police were never able to locate this jacket, and Luke was unable to give an explanation as to where it had gone. Hmm. Uh, okay. So he killed someone. So he must Ana- have murdered someone. Gotcha. Another, perhaps more alarming item that seemingly went missing was Luke's hunting knife. Now, it was another item he had showed off to friends and supposedly one of his favorite possessions. That knife was never seen again after Jody's death. Hmm. Okay. A little odd. Maybe not knowing. But people lose shit all the time. You know, yeah. like he also has an older brother. Maybe he used it. We don't know. Right. Several months after, however, the cloth sheath of that knife was located in a search, which is how the Idaho murderer got caught. He left DNA on that sheath, uh, was located in a search. Now, on it, some numbers and letters had been carved into the fabric. It read 666-JJ-1988-2003. And those numbers are significant for a few reasons, right? Devil, Jody, year she was, you know. Born and Born born and killed. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did Luke wear the missing jacket while he butchered his teenage girlfriend with his hunting knife? Did he then burn that jacket, causing the neighbors to make the call to the police? The prosecution felt secure going into trial that they knew the answers to these questions. Although they obviously did not feel confident to answer those questions with evidence. (laughs) With evidence. Just that that they could answer them. But okay. And I think we'll get to more details here, but I'm wanting to know more about her autopsy. You know, I want to know about like more about her and less about Luke at this point, because we need to figure those details out first, really. Well, Luke's trial began in December of 2004. He went in with a plea of not guilty, and his defense was built largely around his alibi and the supporting statements from his mother and brother. In total, the trial lasted 42 days, which is the longest trial of a single accused person in Scotland's history, which is actually really surprising to me. Yeah. During the trial, knowing there was no direct physical evidence whatsoever incriminating Luke, the prosecution had to rely strongly on discrediting his alibi. 
Both Luke's mother and brother took to the stand and during the trial, but a heavy focus was put on Shane and his testimony. Shane said that on the evening of the murder, he was in his room on the computer. According to him, he spent part of this time looking at porn. As, also, as, typical yeah. boys do this all the time. Girls do this all the time. Yeah, right. Well, during cross-examination, the prosecution got him to admit that it, this was not something he would do if he knew other people were home. This contradicted the statement he made previously, which said he had known his brother was home. Hmm. Tricky. This could have been a play of words. I mean, not to constantly like discredit the prosecution here, but it's like if you're now just kind of like cornering people into scenarios in their minds and getting them to say certain things at different times of, you know, it's just like, this is not, this is not how a trial should go in my opinion, right. you know, but the fault in his story resulted in both Shane and his mother being arrested and a char and charged with obstruction of justice. Because remember he was saying that to police, those were his official statements. Right. And he changed the statement twice saying right. that he didn't know anyone was home. And then that he actually knew his brother was home. So. Well, and according to this testimony, a massive hole had just basically been blown into Luke's alibi. He now had nothing to prove his whereabouts at the time of Jody's death. This, along with the disturbing circumstantial evidence surrounding him, resulted in the jury, of course, finding him guilty on January 21st, 2005, after five hours of deliberation. He was later sentenced to a maximum of 20 years in jail before he can be considered for parole. While the case was officially closed, it is seemingly still a bit of a hot topic. Not only has Luke himself filed for appeals numerous times, many people have come forward in support of him, claiming they believe he was falsely accused based on circumstantial evidence and biases towards his alternative lifestyle. One of those people stands out from the rest, and his name is Scott Forbes. So, Darren, tell us a little bit about Scott. Also, I just want to say that, like, just because Shane is being sussy, why should that blow a hole yeah. in Luke's alibi? I don't understand because, like, yeah. Luke does admit that he was home cooking. So I, I feel like the prosecution was like, "Well, he said it." You know, he's they're like turning to the jury and they're like, "He said he would only do this if there was never anybody in the house." And now right. we know he was not in the house. It's like, no, you may have just led him down him? that road, right? Or he's a suspect, but right? At the time of the murder, Scott, we're talking about Scott Forbes now. At yep. the time of the murder, Scott was a student at a local university and lived very close to where the murder took place. Around that time, he recalls some disturbing behaviors he witnessed from his roommate at the time. His roommate had been in recovery from hard drugs and was on a methadone program. Uh, methadone program usually tries to wean people off of heroin addiction a right. lot of times. Yep. Uh, he also had an obsession with violence and gore. Scott claimed he would often talk about violent crimes and even search for graphic images on the internet. Several weeks before Jody's death, he asked Scott to read a short story he'd written at a school as a school assignment. The story was a detailed depiction of murdering a woman in the woods. Now, mm. on the day after Jody's death, Scott claimed that he noticed several deep scratches on his roommate's face. Remember, we talked about her being having defensive wounds, obviously. Right. And when Scott asked what had happened, the roommate could not seem to give a straight answer about how he had gotten scratched. Oh. Scott's mm. suspicion was growing stronger and stronger, and after he heard word of Jody's death, he felt compelled to tell the authorities. According to Scott, after making the, his claim, he did not hear from the police for nearly three years, long after Luke had already been tried and sentenced. You gotta kind of wonder what's the motive for police to also want to put I away know. a fourteen-year-old boy, like who I was has no the record, same thing. Yeah, who's yeah. so young, like doesn't really make a lot of sense 
Great suspicion had been raised as to why this tip went ignored, and to this day, Scott speaks openly about his belief that his former roommate was Jody's true killer. He has appeared on numerous podcasts and television shows, including a 2007 documentary about the case titled The Devil's Own, put on by Frontline Scotland. And so, you know, to answer, kind of go back to your question just a second ago, like, I just feel like it really does connect back to these these kids are full of Satan and like you're listening to right. Marilyn like Manson. Like if he had had a different music taste, this might not have happened. Or looked a different way, you know, like it's just, it's very 90s. I hate to say it that way, but it's like, Darren, you and I grew up in the 90s. Like there was a lot of judgment about, you know, teenagers in particular, even the grunge era, like even the, not even fully emo slash goth music, like even just like the Nirvanas of it all, like Really, there was a big mainstream media pushback on how any, they were perceived. Or any other, like, you know, I remember going to a metal show years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend at the time had represented this band called Cross with three mm-hmm. S's. And, like, she had taken me into this room and she was like, wear earplugs. And I was like, no, I don't really. And she's like, you definitely need them. And I put them in and like, I literally had a headache for a week because of how like loud and raucous this was. And people just like thrash around. And it's like also the nicest people go there. It's not my type of music, but like, I wasn't, I wasn't judging them on their personalities because they like that type of music. If you've ever seen dead to me, Christina Applegate listens to like hardcore metal music to like relax. I mean, it's music. Yeah. It's not behavior. Yeah. It's, it's exactly. And Yeah, I don't know. I just keep thinking about those times. And like, I knew people, you know, my peers in school that would like, you know, even teachers would treat them differently just based on how they were dressed. And I'm like, it's just, it's a weird thing, especially nowadays. I have a couple of friends that are teachers and I feel like they, they are so much more aware of the impact of that kind of judgment and they're great about it. So, you know, anyway, I'm just kind of standing up for that. Um, nonetheless, as recent as 2022, it has been confirmed that Luke's defense team is analyzing the information collected from Scott in hopes of successfully winning an appeal. Now, we should also mention, I think, listen, we just set up the show and talked so much about the circumstantial evidence around Luke and how it seems a little bogus, but same thing could be said about Scott's roommate. I mean, it is circumstantial. Yes, did he have scratches? Yes. And so that right, is he could obvious. have been walking in the woods yeah. or something like that. Who knows? You know, Who knows? I, get, yeah. I get random bruises on my legs all the time. Nadine's like, what happened? I'm like, I genuinely don't even yeah. know. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, yes, exactly. So I feel like the only way you could really get a hard con- conviction on this guy would be for him to confess because it's been so long and like how do you even connect that dot right? right right but nonetheless luke's mother corinne is also featured in that documentary that darren was just talking about where she insists that her son is actually innocent and though she admits that she's never actually asked luke if he did it girl that's the first thing you got to do. You're I mean, the you mom. might want to ask. Him, yeah, but see what I don't he think, says. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. She claims this is because she quote just knows that her son isn't capable of such things. While some believe her to be genuine, others find it unsettling that she'd be so quick to dismiss the possibility and wonder whether or not this is still her attempt at protecting her son. But like every parent is yeah, like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They are. Why would you automatically? I mean, unless first off, he's fourteen. Unless there's like signs that he's like been killing animals or something like that. Like. Yeah. Wh- why shouldn't? Yeah. You, right. You, you should have a presumption of innocence. You shouldn't have a presumption of guilt. Of guilt. Right. 
Well, that's how I feel about the Casey Anthony thing. But nonetheless, let's keep Me going. Too. Now, did Corinne aid Luke in disposing of evidence to protect him from the consequences of his violent actions? There's, of course, no direct uh, allegation about this, but I think a lot of people that know about this case may speculate about what her potential involvement would be given that she's been so defensive. Would a mother's love be enough for her to act as an accomplice in the murder of a teenage girl? These are the questions that are obviously heavily debated, but often rely on personal opinions and interpretations rather than evidence, of course. Um, today, Luke Mitchell resides in HMP Shots in Lancashire, which he has served nearly 18 years of his minimum sentence. Luke Jeez. Mitchell yeah, has consistently maintained his innocence. In 2021, he participated in an interview for a documentary about the case called Murder in a Small Town. Sounds familiar. By the way, he's been in prison now longer than he's been alive. I mean, longer than when he was then like he more was, than half his life. Like yeah, he went yeah, in yeah. when he was like 15 and he served there for 18. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's crazy. That is crazy. In the film, Luke proclaims his innocence repeatedly and says he wishes to clear his name once and for all. Quote, I cannot be more clear, he tells the interviewer. Quote, I absolutely did not kill Jody and I've been locked up for a crime I did not commit. In 2025, just a few years from now, he will be eligible for parole and he remains hopeful he will be granted his freedom. I mean, listen, we need to get Rabia Chaudhry on this. Because she's uh, well, out here apparently. freeing the wrongly accused left and right. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's the story, sadly, and somewhat tragically. For some reason, I believe him, you know, like... There's I no just, evidence to believe otherwise. Yeah there's, yeah, there's no evidence outside of a music thing that he liked. I mean, and it's not to say that the other guy's roommate, you know, Scott Forbes, that he the Scott that Forbes roommate did it, that he's the killer either. Yeah. But I don't really. In order to put someone in prison, you just have to call it an unsolved case. Right. Totally. You just have to say that we we don't have enough evidence to put someone away, not just put someone away. Yeah. And say like, well, this is the most likely suspect. Like right. that's that's not how. I mean, granted, this is not the United States, so they have a different yeah, criminal totally. justice system. But yeah. so we're just talking about right now about how that is. But like, there's a reason there's a presumption of innocence and not a presumption of guilt. And I, it makes me wonder, even as you're just talking about that, like, what are is there an innocence project in the UK? Like, are there groups I'm that sure. are doing the same type of work? Because I don't I really think so. But I, I, just, I don't know. You just never hear about like the wrongfully convicted being freed and anywhere else but the United States, which is, of course, a good thing for the United States. Well, and but. also the United States has the most prisoners of any country. Well, right. That's uh, we have point. the highest rate of uh, incarceration of our, any other nation. Per capita, so, absolutely. It's and ridiculous. so it's just kind of crazy, yeah. Yeah, this one was a tough one. Let us know what you guys think. Uh, hit us up on Facebook, in our Facebook group, at uh, Shaken and Disturbed Podcast Fans, or at J Thrasher and Carpe Darren on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else. Um, Darren, let's do some listener shout outs as we wrap up this episode. I, I will say full disclosure for everybody. We were, we were on zoom, uh, pulling these listener shout outs just before we started recording. And I said, Darren, here are the two, you know, Darren helped me find these listener shout outs. I said, okay, we've got two here. Which one do you want to do? And she's like, obviously I'm taking the first one. So I mean, that's clear. Yeah, that's clear. clear. Take it so away. Monica on Facebook wrote in to tell <laughs> us, my partner got me the cat butt for Christmas. He did this all on his own. I've never mentioned the cat butt to him. I love it. Not sure how my cat feels about it, though. And I got to say, please go on our Facebook group to look at her cat's reaction 
next to the face of the cat butt. It like I showed it to Nadine and genuinely made me like laugh out loud. It was so amazing. It's, it's so the cat butt tissue holder, right? Just to be clear about Yes. It's not just a literal cat's butt. It is the tissue holder. I mean, holder. it is that also, yeah. it but is there's that. it's yeah. also meant for tissues. Yeah. Well, maybe Monica, your uh partner will get you the cat butt cookie cutter, which I got Darren and made uh, cookies. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. Yeah, if you're um, lucky. Yeah, those those were a little bit more of a pain. That was a that was a tough time because I thought these are going to be such great gift ideas. Like she's going to love the cookies, and then it was like it it was just a bit. And a it bit was just of a like mess. oh, it's just burned, but that's cool. <laughs> yes. That's cool. Um. Anyway, moving on here, Emily on Facebook. We wanted to give you a special shout out, Emily. Emily wrote in our group, "quote I'm sad. May I request a hug?" and we both saw it. Emily, we wanted to give you a, a hug on Facebook, That's but right. also here on the show because the one cool thing about our group of listeners, both in our Facebook group, our other subset of listeners on Patreon, et cetera, is that we all seem to lift each other up. Like we really are such a positive, loving, supportive, I don't want to say family because sometimes I feel like that can be toxic, but like kind of a family like we're I mom know, and dad we're, we're mom and we're, dad we're a chosen family yeah well emily we really truly hope that you're feeling better and big huge hugs from both of us here um on the show so we, we yeah love we you. love you and yeah. thanks for always writing in i always just think it's i even though She's i'm sure you were having a rough day I, I i think it's nice that you can come to us for any sort of positivity and i think that is very representative of what john was saying so absolutely um and so to wrap up the show guys we have now have announced brand new patreon perks and mm. we've refreshed everything over there so um we're really excited if you want to support our show the absolute best way to do this is to basically sign up to be a patreon on our patron on our patreon for as little as five dollars a month you can contribute to our show help us pay our bills and you know you're supporting independent creators like us which makes it even all the all the more better Darren, I'm so excited. We announced this on our Patreon live stream last week. We think people are going to be excited about the new stuff. We should tell people we're recording our video podcasts and yes, releasing them yes. on Patreon. So if you want to see our reactions, including Darren's like L calling me a loser live on Patreon. or That rather, happens once a podcast. Live on Zoom. You can now do that over on Patreon. And we've uh, tweaked some other things. So every tier... Um, has a Every tier is a little tweak. Yeah, yeah, we updated them. We finally got our footing in, and you can see John being cow chocula for like a <laughs> solid thirty-five to forty-five minutes per week. That, and that's, that's right, worth baby. more than anything. We're, we're, you know, that's like a twenty million dollar. Can you lean back right now? Is the color yeah. of your pocket of your shirt shaken and disturbed? <gasps> it kind of is. Here I'm showing the the camera. Yeah, it it's kind like a sunset. Of is. It is. Oh, yeah. Oh, love oh, that. Yeah. Well, yes, um, all the links of our Patreon can be found in our show notes or on patreon.com slash shaken and disturbed, all one word. Darren, we were just on a production call with her. We have to give some love to Megan, who, of course, Ugh. helped us with this week's show. She's and got incredible blue hair right now and looks so cool. Absolutely. So cool. So, I love her. Megan, we love you. We're going to count you down. One, two, three. Thanks, Thanks Megan. Megan. We You're love you best. all. We love you all, and we'll see you next week for an all-new episode. And definitely check out our Patreon perks. We love you. Love Bye. You. Bye. Bye.